Scribes Journey is supported by our patrons. Join them today at patreon.com slash scribesjourney. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Scribes Journey podcast, where stories begin. I am one of your co-hosts, Travis J. Crokin, the Calm Scribe, being joined by my fellow co-hosts. I am L.J. Stanton, the Pedantic Scribe. And I am T.R. Albee, the Oddball Scribe. How are we all doing tonight? I'm doing fabulously. <laughs> and I am doing excellent. It's been a great past month and there's just a lot of stuff that has been happening i know we've all been very busy with our writing and our lives and everything that's going on yeah. so how did you all find the what we could say the writer's preparation for this podcast and that was to look into a book about drafting or look into drafting and that kind of thing how did you find that i am a terrible co-host because i didn't do much of my homework I'm currently between books and just about to start that drafting journey again. So I went and I kind of looked through my outlines and just kind of got my prep ready for this episode in that way. But I didn't go and look up any books about drafting because I do feel like I'm a bit of an expert at it, or at least passably okay. I was working on a few different projects. I decided to start drafting a new podcast. I even stepped back just the other day, started working on the third picture book in the same universe because it's short and it's only a thousand words and pretty quick and easy to write. Well, logistically, I guess maybe not easy to write, but word count wise, definitely shorter than writing a mid-grade novel. I was doing the same thing. So I ended up creating a couple of new projects. I'm working with an illustrator on a new project and I'm reworking two of my books and redesigning and redoing a relayout of those books and also continuing to draft and work on the story that I've got in progress right now. So this episode that we are discussing today is actually on drafting. What type of drafting are we talking with this in the literary sense? When we say drafting, what do we mean by drafting? When you're drafting, it is the actual meat of your story. It's sitting down and finally putting pen to paper, fingers to keyboard, and getting some words down so that you get out of the prep phase and you get to actually writing your story. It's hard to get to that point too, sometimes. I love when I'm in that spot, finally getting, like you said, to the meat and potatoes of the story. And then it just seems to flow sometimes, not always, but. It really does seem like that's the main problem that a lot of new writers run into is that they spend tons and tons of time in the world building and the outlining and character creation and all of the things that lead up to drafting. But then they don't get in the pool. They don't get their feet wet. They don't dive off the board and just get into it. That's exactly it. And the drafting is the fun part of it. It's the part where you get to play with all of your characters. You get to play with scenes and ideas and move things around. And again, just like your outline, drafting is not set in stone. So what we're going to be talking about tonight is the idea of drafting, how do we draft and how we approach it for the first half. And then we're also going to get into how to deal with writer's block when you're doing your drafting and your writing. So there's going to be some very key takeaways for you. And we've also got some information for you at the end. So be sure to stick around to the end because there is some exciting information that we'll be sharing at the end of things. So Ted, do you have any tips 
how do you approach starting when you're drafting? Do you do it in a linear fashion? Are you all over the place? What is your first step when you sit down after you're done your outlining and start to put pen to paper? I'm the worst person to get started on books. I have such trouble a lot of times finding that perfect starting point. And sometimes you just can't. I find that at least over the last several years, when I've been working on these books and any other project that, that I have to start, I can't make it perfect anymore. And I realize that I need to be able to just get some basic starting point typed up somewhere so that I can move on with the story. I was always looking for that perfect thing, that golden fleece, that, you know, the golden egg. I'm going with a golden theme here. And it would take me weeks just to get to that perfect starting point. And I realized very later on that there isn't ever going to be a perfect starting point. You know, and I need to start where I think it should sound like. And I realized that I can make it perfect later. But that gets me forward into the drafting process so that I can go and actually start doing the damn thing. But I do write linear. I never jump around to different parts and different time frames. The way that I structure my outlines, and we've talked about it in past podcasts, um, my outline is very rigid and I kind of go down each point and expand on that topic and write that section. I can't seem to break off and write like another scene down the line and then come back to that part where I left off. And I also get, get stuck sometimes, and I've had to learn, especially with writing this mid-grade novel, that the same thing that I'm applying to the starting point, I have to push past that point that it doesn't sound like the way I wanted to, and then continue on to the next part of the book. Because I know now, I, I, well, not that I didn't realize it before, but I can come back and make it better afterwards. Starting can be a very difficult thing to jump into. You need to have your point of view. You need to know how close into the scene are you going from? Are you starting right in the middle of things? Are you leading the character up to the approach? What is it that is your start for that? Uh, how about you, LJ? What do you do? I have discovered that I am a mostly linear, but also do dabble in non-linear writing. And so the format I have as I'm writing fantasy is I have a prologue and an epilogue for each of my books. And those stories are always tangentially related to the one being told because I'm, I'm writing a story about a god's war. And they have little snippets about the perspective of the gods in the beginning and at the end. And then the rest of the book is about all the little people that are in dealing with this. And so the prologue and the epilogue are the last things in the book that I write so that I get an idea of what I actually want to bookend things with. What story do I want to intrigue people with with the prologue? And what do I want to hint at in the epilogue? My first chapter, I run into somewhat the same problem that Ted does of wanting it to be perfect right off the bat, because there's so much riding on the opening of your book. You know, if you don't get the first couple of pages, and sometimes that's being really generous, if you don't get the first paragraph, good. Somebody might not keep hanging on, you know, there's lots and lots of books out there. So you want to have a really solid start but you're not going to get it the first time you try to unless you get really incredibly lucky and it, that won't happen twice. So it is having forgiveness for yourself to write something that is going to be terrible and understand that you get to come back to it later. Because that was very much my thing with the Pantheon Prophet is that I thought I needed to start the book at point A and really I needed to even push that point A a little bit further back to have a more emotional scene that got to sit with the characters a little bit more. 
it's about being flexible with your draft and knowing that you get to keep working on it. It's not just one and done. Exactly. And that's, I'm often asked from my clients and authors that I work with and that I coach, how do I get my book picked up from a shelf? And a big part of it is your cover, the back information on your cover. And the other thing is opening it up in that first paragraph, that first paragraph or two. If you can open it up and have them look at that and think, wow, I need to know more about what's happening. You're going to have a book sale. So it is really important to get that first little bit set and solid there. For myself, I am very much the same as LJ. I uh, tend to be somewhat linear, but I am also non-linear. My psychological thriller book that I've currently revising, that started from one scene. I had a scene pop into my head. It was an amazing scene. I knew I wanted to have this scene in a story. I wrote that scene out and then the rest of the story unfolded front and back from it. And then I went back to the beginning and wrote my way to that scene. So I wrote the story in media res, although it follows the typical three-act story structure. But take notes as you're writing of things you might want to change. Take notes of ideas and concepts and things like that. In my coaching, one of the things I come across most frequently is generally at about the one-third mark of the novel or around where it's 10 to 15,000 is when a lot of writers start getting into that second guessing and they stop drafting and they go back and start revising because they can make it better. They can start it off better. They can go back and change things and make it better. And then I always get this, well, I start a story and I can never finish it. I always get stopped and I get, can't get past a certain point. Save your revisions for later. Save your edits for later. Take notes on things you might want to change. Keep writing. Get the words down on the page. Nothing is set in stone. And that's really the method that I try to do is do my draft and then go back because things will change. Things will adapt as you're going. That's where your outline, that's where your notes are for. And that's like I was saying, like that was me. The picture books were a little bit different because I realized it was a thousand words. And that was easy for me to kind of push through. It was short. I knew what I was going through. But with the mid-grade novel, I had to force myself because, again, I was stuck on a thing, trying to make it perfect, stuck on a line, stuck on a paragraph, stuck on, does this character work here? I even said to myself, okay, Ted, this is not perfect. We can come back and do it. And moved on to the next point and continue writing. And there was a lot of points you know, that I had to push through that. That I think is part of learning and maturing as an author, knowing that you can push through that and getting to that point. As you said, like the problem there wasn't the story. The story was still good. You had a good idea. You had a good story to work with. The problem there was a bad habit with the writer. And yeah. I think that's the thing that oftentimes people forget is that they start looking at me like, oh, well, the story sucks. So that's why I never finish anything. So I'm just going to try something else. It's like, no, no, no. You never gave your story enough time to be good because you didn't finish it. And that's not your story that sucked. That was a bad habit. And you can break bad habits. You just have to become aware of them and then work on fixing it. And that means that when you get to that point where you're like, uh, maybe I should go back, don't let yourself leave a note and say, okay, right now, I think X, Y, Z things are wrong with my manuscript and take that note and put it somewhere. I keep them on a wall in the back of my office so that I am not seeing it directly when I'm writing, but I know what the thought was that almost made me turn back. Then keep writing because I know what comes afterwards. And as long as you can keep writing, eventually you'll finish. The other thing to remember is no matter how much time you have spent with your characters, no matter how much in-depth of a character profile you have done on them, you do not know your characters very well until you finished your first draft. 
until you've seen them go through things in the story that may not stick through. But until you've seen them go through, you don't know what their full sense of humor is, how their style changes, how they react. Like you have an idea that makes it easier for your writing. So by the time you're done, you can go back and look at those things that were problematic and you've got such a better understanding of who your character is and how they move through this world that those things are a lot less daunting to try to fix afterwards. So with that being Absolutely. said, yeah, and LJ said something about the idea of it's not one and done. So if it's not just one draft, how many drafts do you do before you consider the story finished and ready for revising, beta readers, editing, and all that other fun stuff? When do you consider the drafting process done? I do so many. <laughs> so many. I think that The Dying Sun had 13 drafts before I decided that I was really sick of it. And that, you know what, screw it, it's going to betas, it's going to the editor, it's going to be just out of my hands because I cannot continue working on it and get quality out. So the more drafts that you write and the more times you kind of start taking apart your story and realizing like, oh, all of those insert thing here or all those moments that, you know, you weren't sure about and now you are, at this certain point, you're going to run out of those moments that you really need to work on. And you're going to start kind of fiddling with things. And once you start hitting that kind of fiddling with things stage, you're starting to find your diminishing returns. But the other thing too is you can actively run the risk of actually damaging your story. If you get and you're redrafting, redrafting, redrafting and get into that fiddling point where you fixed all the major things and you're just playing with it and you're constantly playing and toying with things, you can start causing damage to your story as well. There is a point where you just have to say enough is enough. It's never going to be perfect. There's always more things you can add. But like you said, you're damaging yourself by constantly editing or even drafting it because you're never going to get it out the door if you don't stop and just say, like you did, LJ, you said, okay, 13's enough. <laughs> yeah. That's I don't want to read this book anymore. <laughs> I can't, can't yes. draft this anymore. It must be edited. Exactly. Yes. No. Well, because again, you're going to find a point where you don't have the answers to fix the problem and it needs to have some fresh eyes on it, whether that's your right. editor or beta readers or whatever, because there were problems that I could not solve in 13 drafts that one read over with my editor did the, well, what if you just try this? And it was the, oh my God, you're brilliant. That's why I'm paying you. Yes. <laughs> How about yourself, Ted? When do you consider the drafting process complete? Well, I mean, it depends on the size of the book. With the picture books, I did about five drafts for them. To your point, with the limited amount of words you're working with there, if I'm continually editing this or drafting, doing different drafts on this, I'm only damaging what I have. And I might be taking away from what I originally was envisioning by trying to figure out how to make this better. I have another book title that I wrote eight years ago. And uh, it was a Christmas story about a young boy. And he is his journey to prove that Santa was not real while his parents were trying to prove to him that Santa was. I did maybe about five edits on that. It was around 2000 words long. Back then, I didn't really understand how long a picture book was supposed to be. But I think at this point, it would, would be more of a early reader, easy reader. I mean, I did send it off to the editor after that. And then she came back and made a lot of great suggestions like LJ, you mentioned. And I was like, oh, okay. But did I ever take the edits that she did and finish the edits? No, I did not do that. It's still sitting there with halfway edited because I'm... But you've got time for that still. Yeah. So eight years too long. 
did the parents prove to him that Santa exists by the end of the book, or did he prove that Santa doesn't exist by the end of the book? See, these are spoilers that I cannot give you until the book is out. Hey, well, we need to get the book out so I can give this to my nephews. We'll we'll, we'll work on it. We'll work on it. We'll work work on it. The Migraine book, though, I'm currently still drafting, editing, doing the things with it. And I'm on version three of this. And this probably has a lot more edits and drafts before I'm ready to send it off to an editor. But, you know, that's still a work in progress. And God only knows. Hopefully not 13. (laughs) Hopefully not. (laughs) Hopefully not. For myself, I tend to do multiple drafts. Like Ted said, it depends on the length. It depends on what the subject matter is for the story. There's always multiple drafts that I go through. There's just a time that either I know that this is as good as it's going to be and I'm going to start damaging myself if I continue working on it, or... I just don't want to read the story anymore. Someone else read it and tell me what's wrong. (laughs) That's where the beta (laughs) readers come in and start playing and helping you out with that. So I don't think there is a set. If you do five drafts, you are fine and that is excellent. And you're going to go on and be a perfectly successful writer. It's going to be different for everybody. Now would be a good spot for us to take just a little pause, a little break. And when we come back in part two, we're actually going to be discussing how we overcome writer's block and how it impacts us all. So stick around for part two right after this. Welcome back. So I don't think we need to go into what writer's block is. It's evil. It's evil. (laughs) It's very well put, Ted. If you've ever picked up a pen and held it close to a piece of paper, you've suffered some form of writer's block. I am almost positive of that. So what are some strategies for overcoming writer's block? So I'm actually going to disagree with Ted about writer's block being evil. It's usually an incredibly helpful and an incredibly beneficial moment to my writing because what usually happens is that if I am sitting there and I can't get this chapter written, it means there's something wrong with that part of the chapter and I need to take a step back and fix it before I can move forward. So it's a lovely red flag for me to say, hey, you've messed up. This characterization isn't correct. This character wouldn't do this thing, or this is too early in the plot for this thing. And getting that writer's block moment is to recognize those moments before wasting time on them. It does also sometimes mean that I've actually gotten a great situation that I have to write. It's just an incredibly uncomfortable one for the character. And they're just sitting in my head, kicking and screaming like a little toddler. So I listen to music. That's what helps me get characters to function. And I consult my outline a lot. Outlines are important, and that's where they can definitely help out with that. What about yourself, Ted? You know, I find that when I'm running into a point where a scene isn't really working well or it's not flowing, it's probably because I've been staring at the manuscript or the screen for way too long. I know when I was writing my mid-grade novel that I had to stop and for a week just not stare at it. And I played video games. I took a break from it after a week. Sometimes it was a month, I will admit. I had to actually pull myself away from the video game to get back to work. I just kind of reviewed where I left off, read everything that I, that I had written, and then kind of picked it up and moved on. 
when there is no help at all, I always find that the ocean clears my mind. It is my place of Zen. It is where I cleanse all the anger and angst out of my life and feel that everything is just good again. So if all else fails and I'm stuck and can't get past it, nothing works. Even after I take a break and play some video games and come back, jumping in the ocean, surfing for a bit, letting the waves wash over me always brings me back to a center point where I can look at that manuscript and continue on. I think that that's kind of, we've now touched on like two different types of writer's block. And sometimes you do just need to recharge your creative batteries yeah, and give yourself permission to take those breaks. And I love video games for that. I love movies for that, reading other books, like just getting somebody else's story in my head for a little while can help me so much figuring out my own. I try to avoid reading books when I'm writing something because I don't want to influence myself with something that I'm reading, which might taint the original idea. But I get it. It's that distraction. It gets you to the point where you're you need that mental break. And the first example I gave is probably more of like the tired of working on it. You just can't move any further. You need to step away. But the second type where it's all else fails. That's what I think is evil. Like, I can't do anything here. Why are you not working? The words, they look all look like Russian and I don't even speak Russian. Um, <laughs> well, clearly, maybe you need to learn Russian. I, I tried once and it, it, I was really good at pronouncing all the words and I can pronounce any word, but I can't remember what any of it said. And that's something that I find for myself as well is I've got two kinds of writer's block that happen. My my writing, my words tend to flow pretty smoothly in my mind, especially when I've done a lot of outlining. I know what's going to happen in the story. I know what things want to play out. But you do have those moments where it's a really hard scene to write. The science fiction story I'm writing right now, I've hit a bit of a lull. I haven't done a lot of writing in almost two months on it because it's a really hard scene that I'm writing. I have to kill off a character that I love. I don't want to say goodbye to the character. I don't want to write the murder scene. And it's kind of created a bit of a stall for me and made me kind of spin my wheels and second guess some things that I'm doing leading up to the scene. So it's just making the other scenes around it kind of drag down a little bit. But I've worked my way through that. I'm close to the point of where he dies. So that's one thing. So overly emotional scenes can be hard to write and create a bit of writer's block. And I find it can also be if there's a lot of chaos going on in my life or if I'm stressed about something and I don't have the ability to tap in to that creative side of things. That's where it becomes really important for me. I'm not close to an ocean, but I like to go out kayaking. I like to go out in nature to spend time just out in the wild. Let my brain kind of reset itself. Forget about some of the stresses that I'm dealing with. And I also use a lot of mindfulness and meditation to deal with writer's block when I have these kind of issues. I'll try to dig into it deeper and ask myself, what is causing the writer's block? Is there something is I'm not feeling well? Am I in too much pain? Am I not looking forward to writing this scene? What is it? Because if you can get to the root cause of what's blocking you, then it's easier to open it up and try to move past that. There are times when you'll sit down and you know you want to write something and you don't know what you want to write. And I actually have a writer's block journal that I use where I will start, sit down, and if I can't write anything, it's full of pages of just, I don't know what to write. I'm supposed to be writing about this. I don't know what the story is going to be. I don't know what's happening. And just getting the pen on the paper, getting the ink flowing, getting the muscle memory going again, and then writing something silly or a flash fiction or something will eventually bring up the creativity bubbling to the surface and you'll find that hook that you can grab onto and start writing the story with. You brought up an interesting point because I've heard other authors you know, say that if they are running into a writer's block, they'll use some sort of prompt and then they'll go and write something like a flash fiction, like you're saying, or a short story. 
myself, I could never do that for writer's block. If I stop concentrating on something, then I will never get back to it. Meditation, I find, is also good when I can't take time to go ride to the ocean and go jump in. But I could never write like a flash, flash fiction. That's a hard word. Flash fiction. Flash uh, fiction is. <laughs> maybe just for me. I don't know. Or a short story. What, flash fiction? Yes, thank you. <laughs> Everybody who can pronounce their words better than me. Um, <laughs> we'll get there. But I find that's the thing for me is writing a different story. And I've oftentimes, I have several stories in revision, several stories in drafting, maybe not full novels, but short stories, whatever, different things. So I'm often working on different projects. So I can shift gears from story to story and write multiple stories in a day. If I have the mental clarity and everything is kind of flowing smoothly for me at that point. While I'm working on another story, the back of my brain is working through the issue that I'm dealing with on the main story. And I can go back and forth. And that it helps me defeat my writer's block. I'm more like Ted. I really struggle with doing other stories while I'm currently working on my story. The only thing I can do if I really am not able to write that scene is I'll go and take a moment that happened in that character's past and I'll work on that. That way I'm getting a better understanding of my character or the world or something so that hopefully that can help me figure out where the block is if it's within the story to be able to move past it. And then as both of you have touched on, making sure you're looking after your mental and physical health is huge for helping with writer's block. Because yeah, if you're not in a good spot, stress-wise, mental health, physical health, if there's any of those things that are really compromising your health, it's going to compromise your story because you just can't focus on it. I know as someone with chronic pain, there are definitely times when I have brain fog and I cannot write because my sentences just become words and words and words and they don't work. Then I do have to, again, that self-forgiveness of, okay, today I can't do it. That's okay. I'll do it tomorrow or I'll do it after my meds kick in. Let yourself enjoy the things that you need to do to look after yourself so that you can go and murder a character. I mentioned the hashtag TS for Travis script. And I also use a journalistic tag, which is hashtag FCK, which always raises funny expressions from your beta readers if you've got a few that you forgot to take out. But FCK stands for fact check. So if there's something that's a scene that I need to rewrite, a dialogue or something I need to redo, I'll put in the hashtag TS. If it is something about a fact that I have written in to the story, I'll put in the hashtag FCK. So instead of trying to stop in the middle of my writing and research the exact speed of light, I'll just say they're traveling at the speed of light, hashtag FCK, and then I'll continue writing. When I've got a moment of writer's block, when I've got a moment of lax creativity, but I still want to be writing, I still want to be active, then I can use those times to go back and do a search for the FCK tag and do some research and fill in those blocks. Go back to the Travis script and work on amending some of those things, see if there's anything I can fix at the time. So it's not exactly going back and revising and editing, it's going back and filling in some of the blanks. I just realized why when they see that, uh, they would be they would be like, "What the hell is that?" I I didn't I didn't realize I was like FC oh oh, oh yes. got you FCK we're just missing a U exactly. and then we're good and uh, yeah wow 
That's slow on the on the upkeep here, guys. That's what it is. <laughs> when you when you do get it, you get it. <laughs> yeah, I do. It just takes a little time. That's so. okay. Exactly. Uh, well, that just goes to show that you can be writing and working on your draft without actually drafting a new part of the story. If you do have a bit of writer's block, create space for yourself within your story to have other stuff that you can work on, and that allows you an explanation and a reason to not finish that scene and just push past it. For me, insert epic battle scene here was how I dealt with writer's block that day because I got to that chapter and I went, I literally have no idea what to do here. So it was insert battle scene here. And then I got to go to the next chapter, which was the aftermath. And I got to work on the fact that there are these people and they are hurt and they are broken. And oh, hey, they're broken because this thing happened. Oh, I'm going to go and make a note now in my insert epic battle scene here tag that this is something that needs to happen during that battle of this person gets this thing to happen. And when you do that, and it's part of that whole nonlinear storytelling is that you're figuring out what happened. And now you can go and actually write what happened. And it can be really useful. Scenes can be difficult. So, and that's the yeah. thing is you can have a draft that is flowing perfectly and beautifully. And then all of a sudden you hit a scene that stymies you. And it doesn't mean you're not a good writer. It means that there's something about that scene that you need to rework or you need to think about. And that's what LJ was saying, where there's a big red flag on the scene. My brain is picking up on something that I'm not yet, that I need to fix first. We've covered really well kind of why we need to do drafts. Because the more you write, the more you understand, the more you know what's happening. And the more you get that, oh, wow, that scene was really cool. But what if... And then you can go back and tweak things and change things. And the idea of sitting down and writing a story once and having it perfect without needing to be edited, revised, redrafted or anything like that. I don't know a single good author that can do that. And I challenge anyone out there, send us a message on social media, send us a message on our website. If you know of a book that was a one and done, no revisions, no drafting, just written, edited and published, let us know. So I would love to see what a book like that looks like. I don't, honestly. I don't trust that it would be any good. <laughs> I, I'll, let, I'll let Travis read it. I am very strong in my opinion that you need to write several drafts for it to become a fully complete fleshed out story. And this is the fun part. Like you've, you've done like world building's great, character development as far as like literally writing out your character sheet type stuff, like all of that can be fun, but this is the story. This is getting it out of your head and getting it ready to share with other people. It's the best part. It should be fun. It should hurt. It should suck. It should run oh, the whole gamut of emotions because you're hoping for an emotional connection with the reader. So just, you know, do it. And you shouldn't hate yourself for doing that. Well, I think there are authors and, you know, when my younger self probably was one of these people that I thought that one draft is the best and you shouldn't hate yourself for having to go back and edit. And you also shouldn't hate yourself for getting stuck and having your writer's block. It happens to everybody. And, you know, I, at least me with, you know, my journey as a scribe, it's been a growing process. And I think as you mature more as an author, you realize that it's just part of that journey. I think that's that's the thing is there's going to be times that you hate it. There's going to be times that you want to scream. There's going to be times that you're in love. Like LJ said, you're going to run the gamut of emotions. Enjoy it. And eventually there's going to be this wonderful thing that's released upon the world that you can say, hey, I did that. And it's never going to be perfect. So go ahead, draft it. And that is our writer's prep for next episode is for you to go and actually work on your draft 
you've done your outlining, you've done character development, you know what you're going to write. So just go and write it because next time we're going to be talking about revising. And the next month's book of the month here is called Murder Your Darlings by Roy Peter Clark. This book has a ton of information about revision and other author advice. It's something that you need if you have to do a murder scene, maybe. I don't know. And we'll discuss that there are many different types of darlings for you to murder, not just characters. That's right. So that all being said, please, we want to communicate with you. We want to hear what you have to say, not just be talking at you all the time. So follow us on social media, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, at Scribes Journey. We also have a website, scribesjourney.com. Reach out to us. Let us know what your thoughts are. Let us know any topic suggestions that you may want to see for future topics coming up. And just interact with us and let us know what you thought of the show. And let us know if you agree with us on what we're saying or if you have different points that you would like to raise. With all of that being said, thank you for joining us for this episode. Now go sharpen your quills and get back to writing. This episode of Scribe's Journey has been presented by Wax Seal Productions Incorporated and remixed by T.R. Elder.